It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. It's September 2nd, 2020. Thanks so much for listening and making me a part of your day. I do appreciate it. And thank you to patrons of the program like Chad, Lee, and Jeff. Phil, Matt, Jason, Marlene, Susan, and Rhonda. I appreciate all of your support. I couldn't do the show without you. So Governor Roy Cooper announces that we are moving into phase 2.5, and I don't believe that's true. I don't believe we're in phase 2.5 or that we're approaching phase 2.5 because I don't even think we've been in phase 2. I think we're still in like phase 1.84 or something. So phase two, you'll recall, phase two, way back in March in North Carolina, phase two was pitched as something that would occur after two or three weeks of phase one. And at the time, we weren't even in phase one. I mean, phase one was going to take like four to six weeks or so, and and then phase two was going to start in two or three weeks after phase one. And then we were going to hang out in phase two for about a month or so, and then we were going to go into phase three. And I understand Things change, you know, facts and science and data on the ground changes, and so we have to uh, adapt. Okay, Uh, but it it always seems to be the case that we're adapting to a more restrictive posture rather than a less restrictive posture, no matter what the science and data and facts might tell us. So phase two was initially uh, promoted as uh, uh, that they would lift the stay-at-home order and uh, still encourage vulnerable populations to stay at home. So we're in that part. That's true. Allow limited opening of restaurants, bars, and other businesses. No, we we haven't opened the bars. And in fact, the announcement today, uh, or yesterday, I should say, uh, by the governor, means that we're still not seeing the bars open. So how can you say we are in phase two when that hasn't occurred? Allowing gathering at houses of worship. Well, he got sued, so that's happened. But also entertainment venues. That hasn't happened. Increase in number of people allowed at gatherings, that will now happen. Open public playgrounds, that will now happen. See, so we're not even in, right now, we're not even in phase two. So th- so he's calling this phase 2.5, and it's not phase 2.5. It's still phase 1.84, okay? It's, it's one something. You can come up with whatever number you want to, but it's still... It's still the first phase. Governor Roy Cooper is going to move North Carolina into this new phase. It's going to start on Friday when gyms and bowling alleys will be able to operate, but only at a 30% capacity. I've got some audio from his press conference. Let's take a listen. After a summer of hard work, we've seen North Carolina's key indicators for COVID-19 remain stable or even decrease in some cases. Our pause in phase two was necessary as students returned to school and college campuses. Now, when our college and universities opened their campuses, we did see outbreaks and an increase in cases. Some colleges pivoted to full online learning. And after several weeks of students back in the classroom, we've continued to see our statewide numbers stabilized. We're encouraged but cautious. Stability isn't victory. The forest isn't as thick, but we're not out of the woods. Oh, God. He talks to us like we're children. Um, All right, so a couple of things. It is imperative for his reelection that Governor Cooper keep touting everything he has done 
as proof that everything he has done has worked. Do you, you follow? He says everything he has done is proof that everything he has done has worked. It's a yes, it's a it's a circular proof. It, it, it doesn't actually prove anything. You're, you're just saying I did these things and the things I did are proof that the numbers are where they are. But there actually is no way to prove that because, of course, there isn't. You can't prove that the mask mandate led to a reduction in case count, particularly because the case count was going up and up and up. And then you slapped on a mask mandate. And then a couple weeks later, it started going down. And you're like, aha, see, it worked. But in other states that did not have a mask mandate, they saw similar declines, right? Different states and nations have been doing different things. And all of the patterns seem to follow the same sort of uh, imagery. If you look at the chart, I've gone over this before. You got a, you got a, you know, a steep increase at the beginning of the viral outbreak. It kills a lot of people, and then it tapers off because the most vulnerable people have died. The asymptomatic and the stronger, the younger, the healthier, they get it, and they don't pass it on to anybody else. Or if they do, they're just passing it on to other strong, healthy people, and uh, it just, and then it sort of burns out. That's sort of the normal spread until, of course, you if it's a seasonality thing, then we may see an, an uptick come wintertime. Now, he's also trying to make this argument, you're going to hear it a couple times, that the opening of schools and the uptick in cases uh, and the stability and some declines and all of this has led them to make this decision now to reopen some things to some degree. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. And I'll explain uh, in a bit. Okay, so first... Mandy Cohen, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, she started off sounding a little, I mean, do I detect a note, just a hint of, of weariness in her normally perky delivery? The past six months have been difficult, mm. and the summer was no exception. Throughout June and in the beginning of July, we experienced our highest levels of community transmission, cases, and then hospitalizations. June and July. Really? You don't say. June and July, we started seeing these increases in cases, and it was predominantly among young kids. What, what, what might have that been attributable to? They were not back in school. What was going on? What happened at the end of May and into June that might have had some sort of an impact? Right? Again, I'm going to keep saying this, folks. I'm going to keep saying this. Every time Democratic leaders talk about the risks of COVID-19 and they ignore the super spreader events that occurred in late May and early June, all throughout June, actually. And in some cases, in some cities, it's still occurring right now, right? You lose credibility when you are not even able to identify these events as in violation and risky behavior that kids are engaged in, that the youth. Now, look, they're younger, they're healthier. They So if they catch it, it's more likely they'll be fine. The stats show this. Chances are overwhelming that they're all going to be fine which is why I get kind of ticked off when I hear the elected officials ignore that herd immunity generating event and try to scold everybody else from engaging in other types of activity, right? This is my beef with it. All right, back to Cohen's comment here. But thanks to the hard work of North Carolinians, especially with wearing face coverings, we saw those trends stabilize and begin to move downward. There it is. There she is again. She's touting that mask mandate as proof that the numbers have declined. And and there's no correlation. At least she didn't say a direct correlation this time. So I don't know if she's backing off that language because it is objectively false. Okay, objectively false. You cannot claim that your mask mandate 
is directly related to a decrease in cases. It, that is an impossible thing to prove. You cannot make the correlation, uh, particularly when you're enacting all sorts of other restrictions before and after and during your mask mandate. Um, but they're trying to get the credit for the executive order, uh, you know, saying that what they did caused the decline, even though there's no proof that that occurred. Well, the back to school season provided new opportunities for the virus to spread. And we did see outbreaks at our universities. Our overall metrics so signs of stability. Okay, so if opening schools was going to lead to spread, where has it gone? Where is all the spread right now? How is it possible that the schools have reopened and uh, like all around the state, some are opening, some are hybrid, right? Some are completely still closed. So um, if that's the case and all of this is occurring, then where are this, where's all the spread? And if it's not happening, were you wrong? Or is everybody just doing a really fantastic job? Everybody's wearing masks and everybody's socially distancing, right? Is that what I'm supposed to believe? But but you said that when you opened the colleges, you saw an uptick, and then they all like, reverse course and shut down. But not all of them have shut, in, shut down. There are some schools that are still operating, some elementary schools and stuff, right? So where's all the spread? Where is it? And if And if you do see these little outbreaks occurring, and schools are, I mean, they just started. Right. It's only been a couple weeks. So aren't we supposed to start seeing some of the case counts go up or are they just all gone? Are they all gone? The case counts are just gone. Why? What's going on there? And if the case counts go back up, then what? You're going to close all of the uh, places that you just reopened? What? Nothing has changed in the last two weeks that prevented them from doing what they did yesterday. They could have done it two weeks ago, but there's no data to support the decision to do it now. They just got another two weeks and they were like, okay, we feel better about this. Literally what they say. I have the soundbite. She goes on to say the case counts remain high, which means there really isn't any discernible difference between them deciding not to change anything a couple weeks ago and now. What changed? A couple things have changed, actually. A couple things have changed. I'll tell you what they are in a minute. First, if you are trying to combat the spread of the coronavirus, keep COVID-19 at bay, and you are in charge of a property of some kind, maybe you're a business owner or a homeowner, uh, maybe you uh, work at a child care facility or a charter school or something, or hair salon, place of worship, tattoo parlor, basically any kind of business, you can get the Karcher Misting System, the Mister, from General Equipment Rental. You rent it for a couple hours. You do your uh, your business or your home or whatever the facility is. You spray everything down with this mister, and then you're you're totally taken care of. Everything is sanitized and disinfected for up to 10 days, uh, and all you have to do is spot clean the high traffic areas. It is safe for kids and pets and food contact surfaces. It uses an all-in-one hospital-grade EPA-approved germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and deodorizer. It kills 99.9% of infection causing bacteria and viruses. Uh, there's no rinse required. It's non-toxic, hypoallergenic, odorless, colorless, and 100% biodegradable. Okay. So go to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. It's at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. The Karcher Mister at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. Family owned and operated, generalrents.com. And if you go to generalrents.com slash Pete, you can get two free face coverings. Generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. So uh, up next here, this is Governor Cooper's edict. Here is what it will and will not do. North Carolinians, most of you are showing you know how to fight this disease. And most of you should be proud of yourselves. 
remember, every time you wear your mask or social distance, you're helping our statewide numbers so we can ease restrictions. You're protecting people, known and unknown. You're saving lives, and you're slowing the spread of this virus. Because of our stable numbers, today we're ready to take a careful step forward. Careful. Careful North step. Carolina will move into Safer at Home <laughs> Phase 2.5. It's not. Beginning this Friday, September the 4th at 5 p.m. It is not 2.5. Okay. Uh, how can the start of school spread events be similar to the numbers during June and July? There was an uptick. So how, are the, how, is, this a, how is this stable? How does this count as stable? How can the numbers that prompted Cooper to issue the mask mandate in, in June, right? This is what they're talking about, June into July, and those numbers are now stable, and he's crediting himself and his executive order with that stability, but now it justifies reopening some, but not a couple weeks ago. Remember when he kept us in lockdown mode until um, June or September 11th? Oh, and by the way, his new order, you know how long this is lasting? October. It's going to last through October 2nd. So if you own a bar, by the way, you're done. And I hate to say that to you. This is devastating. I understand. Like, people work their entire lives to build businesses. You're going under. You need to plan for an exit strategy, for bankruptcy, whatever it is, because this governor is not going to let you reopen. It's not happening before October, unless I guess maybe he needs an election. Uh, victory or something and i'm sorry to be cynical like that and i'm sorry to assume motives but at this point these decisions are arbitrary and capricious he goes on to list some of the industries that he deems fit to reopen the limits on mass gatherings will increase to 25 people indoors and 50 people outdoors playgrounds will be allowed to open oh museums and aquariums can open at 50 percent capacity Gyms and other indoor exercise facilities can open at 30% capacity. The age requirement for mask wearing will include children down to age 5. Capacity limits at restaurants and personal care businesses like hair and nail salons will remain the same. For all of these, there will be additional safety measures required. Some places will remain closed, including bars, nightclubs, movie theaters, indoor entertainment, and amusement parks. And large venues will still be subject to the mass gathering limits. We know that big gatherings are among the most dangerous settings for transmission of this deadly disease. Well, all right, except for Black Lives Matter and Antifa and left-wing protest marches and such, those are not super spreader events they're not deadly covid knows in the land of roy covid knows that uh going to march for antifa and the black lives matter marxist organization this is a virtuous thing and you shall not be smited by the covid virus not in the kingdom of roy he says all of this is part of phase 2.5 he calls that the uh, calls it the dimmer switch approach I thought about pulling all of the times, like the audio of every single time he called it a dimmer switch approach, and I was just getting disgusted, so I stopped. It's just I, I'm I'm I, I'm at my like the end of my patience with 
with the way he treats his constituents, me being one of them. I'm just, I'm done. Um, Kenny Beck from WXII, uh, he's a reporter, and asked the governor about the little bit of the surge in mid-August that they saw with the kids going back to school. And he asked if the governor is anticipating another spike after Friday when more things open back up. Well, first, one of the reasons that we paused in phase two was the fact that we knew that our public schools, K through 12, and our colleges and universities were opening. And we anticipated some virus spread. If we continue doing what we need to do with wearing a mask and social distancing and washing our hands, uh, these careful movements forward should not affect the viral spread because we know that uh, it's going to be important for people to keep working hard. And we've taken some two, a few steps here to continue with our dimmer switch approach. <laughs> Uh, we know that as we go into the fall and winter, it will get colder. And Dr. Cohen reminded you about the flu shot. It's going to be important for people to look after each other and to take these steps to protect each other. We're, we're, we believe that things can continue to improve. Uh, we want to drive those numbers down, and I think we can do that, doing the things we know that work. All right, so Cooper is basically saying here that we have to close all of the businesses, have to keep them all closed, at least until like uh, up until now. He's been saying that we have to close all the schools or close all the businesses because we want to open the schools, right? This was the overt, explicit pitch. Bars got to stay closed because I want to open schools. And he's doing this, quote, to balance out the additional risk, okay? So he's looking at the entire economy. And he's saying, okay, if I open this industry, then it's going to increase numbers like this much. And so I want to open that one first. So I'm going to have to keep this other one over here closed. Because if I open up too much at the same time, then it's going to be too many cases, right? So I'm going to pick industries to open at certain times. And this is the fatal conceit of all central planners. All central planners, all people and the central planning is usually a... Uh, Hallmark of the left. That's not to say that there aren't people of the right that think this way, too. But this is the fatal conceit, this hubris that you can control things like a virus by using a dimmer switch and slowly opening this part of the economy and slowly closing that one. That if you just pull the right levers in the right order, that you can control all of these externalities, that all of these other things that you don't even know you don't know about. This is Dunning-Kruger. This is the fatal conceit of the central planners. It's based in this Dunning-Kruger effect, which is you don't know what you don't know. And people who generally don't know the most think they know the most. Dunning-Kruger is that named after two researchers who found this. And they would ask people, hey, how do you think you did on the test? And <laughs> the people who did the worst knew the least amount of material, and they thought they did the best. Meanwhile, the people who knew more of the material knew enough to know that they did not think they did well, right? They were like, I'm not so sure because I know a lot of this material and they asked some questions and so I'm not as confident that I got as many things correct. When in fact, they did better than they thought they did. Whereas the people who did poorly thought they did way better, but they actually didn't know a lot of the material. Dunning-Kruger effect. This is the central planner's fatal conceit. They think they know 
all of these things when in fact they do not because it's really impossible to know. There are so many impacts and ripple effects inside of a free market economy, you can't possibly know. You just can't. And this was why communism is destined to fail. It always has been, right? Because you can't possibly know all of the inputs and outputs. Can't know it. Soviet Union tried, but you can't know it. And maybe China will get there with all of the automation and maybe technology will allow this to occur and then the communist utopia can be realized. I don't know. We shall see. (laughs) I'm not holding out much hope because generally human nature gets in the way of those types of plans. But this is what Cooper is essentially arguing. John Sanders at the John Locke Foundation, he says there's no basis for this kind of an analysis that you balance out additional risk in the economy and even if that's the even if that's what you're trying to do, that is not scientific. You're guessing. There's this is not a basis, he says, for destroying an economy, for destroying people's livelihoods and their wealth and you know businesses that they have built over decades. This is what he's using. This is his plan for shutting things down and opening other things. He's looking, oh, well, how many cases do we have? Knowing, by the way, that the death numbers are way down because the people who died from it were the most vulnerable. And once they died, then the numbers no longer reflect a vulnerable population that still is alive. That is the that's the general nature of all of these viral outbreaks. It kills off the most vulnerable. And then everybody who's left. Essentially, there's now herd immunity. And yes, it will continue to kill off people who become vulnerable in the future. I'm probably going to be one of them. It's going to stink. But that's not a reason to shut down the entire economy. So during this entire time, you've probably come to recognize the value and importance of your website, right? You needed to turn up in search engine results. You want it to look good. You want it to be user-friendly. You want it to look professional. And you know a lot about your business, but you might not know a lot about web design and maintenance and security. But don't worry, because my friend Schaefer Smith does. Schaefer Smith Design, great design, can actually solve a lot of your website's problems. Professional services, corporate Small business, entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics, photos, an online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He does logos. He did the show's logo, the Pete Callender Show logo. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Up next, Ruben Jones from Spectrum News in Charlotte asks the governor to please elaborate on how he reached this capacity figure, this 30% capacity number for gyms to reopen under? First, we know that uh, places where you do exercise indoors, that the virus can be spread. It's one of the reasons that uh, capacity was limited to 30%. And I'll let Dr. Cohen uh, explain a little bit about how they came to that. Wait, wait. So, hang on. So, why... What criteria were you using to get to the 30%? And he says, well, you know, people expel a lot of lung juice, and so that's why it's 30%. That's actually, that's not responsive. That's not an answer to the question. Uh, We know that some businesses are still closed and that people are hurting. And the more we can do to slow the spread of this virus, the faster we can turn this dimmer switch on and, and let everything open. 
the problem is if people don't do things to slow the spread, like wearing a mask and social distancing, we're going to continue to have to be careful. The, the, so it, I, I don't even know what that means. I don't even think he knows what this means. He's just telling people, keep wearing the mask because we're trying to slow the spread. We're trying to slow the spread. Meanwhile, the numbers keep going up. You notice that. The numbers keep going up. <laughs> but except for the death, the case fatality rate is still very low, right? Case mortality rate still low. And the number of cases keeps going up. They keep testing, testing, testing. The younger people are getting it. But not many people are really dying anymore from it. Um, so he says we have to keep these businesses locked down in order to slow the spread, to make it spread even more slowly. Well, what what's the optimal spread rate? There's a question you won't hear. As long as they keep saying we got to drive down the spread, got to drive the numbers down so it's not spreading as fast, what's the spread rate that you're going for? Any idea? No. There's a positive case number that they're looking at. She, Mandy Cohen wants to see it around 5%. Why? Why? What, the number of tests and the percentage of those tests that come back positive, she wants to see around 5%. Why 5%? What's that based on? I know, right? Science and data and probably a fact or two. Notice, he so Governor Cooper does not answer this question. He does not answer the question from uh, Reuben Jones. Um, how he got to the 30% capacity. So important to know that the activities that we are easing restrictions on today, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had safety protocols in place because these are activities that have the chance of more viral spread. We've talked about before how gyms are places where folks are breathing heavier and then are thus expelling more Mm -hmm. viral respiratory droplets. Mm -hmm. And it's just a higher likelihood that virus could spread. So it's a a higher likelihood that virus could spread. Okay, again, the question was, how did you reach the 30% capacity number for gyms? What criteria were you using? What science, what data, what facts, what? What prompted this? And she says, a higher likelihood that it could spread in gyms. Which again, doesn't answer the question. But she continues. So we felt we wanted to be more restrictive than we had been, say, with some of our restaurants or retail that are at 50% capacity. We wanted to be a bit more restrictive. So we said 30% capacity. So that's it. That's the criteria. So people walking around in restaurants, sit, you know, with the mask. And then when you sit down, you can hang out at the table without your mask on for hours. You could drink alcohol for hours. You can go to a brewery for hours, and that's all fine. They think going to a gym is going to be a riskier activity, so they said dial it down to thirty. Why not thirty-five percent? Why not forty percent? Seriously, they picked a number at random. Why not 25, for that matter, or 10%? Why Why pick 30? They don't know. They're not telling us if they had some sort of rationale behind it, except that they felt, according to her, we felt we wanted to be more restrictive than 50%. That's the science they are using. And I hope every gym owner hears this, and every bowling alley owner hears this. They chose 30% for your business because they felt it was the right number. And they based it off of a 50% capacity number that they just came up with much the same way, right? Garbage in, garbage out. 
they chose 50% some time ago. So like the follow-up question here that should have been asked, but of course in the tightly managed and highly scripted news conferences that the governor and his crew uh, put on for us, plebs, um, they don't get a chance to ask a follow-up about this, or maybe the media doesn't even realize what he's saying, but like maybe the follow-up should be, how did you come up with the 50%? Why was that the right number? Is that the right number? There is a lot of assumptions going on here that the governor's decisions are by default correct. And this is what it's like when you're a Democrat in elected office versus being a Republican in elected office. The Democrat gets the benefit of the doubt. The big Democrat shield, the big D shield, protects him from any kind of assumption of, uh, of a nefarious or uninformed motive, right? That's the nice thing about being a Democrat is that the reporters all generally assume that you're right about everything, that your heart's in the right spot, uh, that you're doing it for the right reasons. And so when you say something, they're like, oh, okay. So I say, all right, restaurants at 50%. Science and data and facts tell me, oh, okay. Uh, we're going to go 30%. How'd you get to the 30%? Well, you know, we felt it should be a little bit more restrictive than the 50%. Oh, okay. And that's it. That satisfies them. They are uncurious about the root of the criteria. So the news and observers... Um, oh, uh, hang on a second. She Cohen says something else there. She says at the very end <clears throat> that... Um, you know, people should still be making their own decisions. Let me finish this clip. But I wanted to take the opportunity to remind folks that just because we're easing restrictions on mm -hmm. gyms does not mean that's the right choice for everyone. True. I want to remind folks to think about their own personal health risk or their family's health risk. Really? We know that more than half of adults in North Carolina have at least one chronic disease that puts them at higher risk for severe illness from COVID. So... I would say to make sure that you are thinking about, do you have underlying asthma or diabetes um, or high blood pressure? Is someone in your family fighting off cancer? Are you over 65? Those are the kinds of things you want to be thinking about when what, you make what? decisions about doing any higher risk activity. Gyms is one of them. Um, but of course, we want everyone to be taking the precautions they need. Interesting. This is the closest that I have ever heard Mandy Cohen come to discussing different risks for different cohorts. This is the closest I've heard her tell people, advise people to say something along the lines of, hey, if you are in this particular cohort, the chance of you getting this is very, very low. Now, I know she didn't say that, but it's the closest she's ever come. They're always in the mode of be afraid. They're never in the mode of be assured. Let's minimize, not minimize, but let's let's allay some of the fears, right? Let's minimize some of the concerns that people have because they're irrational and unwarranted concerns. Of course, I mentioned this the other day, last week, the Gallup polling that was done for Franklin Templeton Group that found people, particularly of the left, have a wild misperception of the actual risks of dying from COVID-19. And that is on the media. But what it also tells us is that the people who are making these decisions might also have a wild misperception of the risk. And the people who are reporting, because they are all tending to be Democrats, they are also under misperceptions of or have misperceptions of the risks. The vast majority, over 90% of the people who have died from COVID have been over the age of 55. So when you're talking about the spread and the number of cases, 
the chance of getting it and dying from it if you are under age 40 is about less than 3%, okay? You are way more likely to die from a whole host of other things. Now, that's not to say that we should let our guard down. I'm not advising it. I'm just pointing out there are a lot of people who are running around scared to death about dying from it, and their chance of actually dying from it is very, 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 very low. But we don't get that kind of assurance from these leaders. Here's an assurance for you. A 120-day comfort guarantee from Mattress Man. You buy a mattress from Mattress Man, and something's not right with it. It's, it's not the best mattress you've ever slept on. You're not able to get a good night's sleep on it. Don't worry. A 120-day comfort guarantee has got you covered. Also, uh, by the way, the bedding bundle that's free with select mattress purchases, that'll also keep you covered, like quite literally. It includes sheets protector and pillows so uh, go to mattress man any of their four local stores and check out the wide selection that they have all sorts of mattresses whether it's inner spring the traditional inner spring mattress uh, pocketed spring memory foam that's what christy and i bought from them several years ago they have the pillow top mattresses natural latex mattresses they have adjustable bases and they have the triple zero deal going on zero down zero interest for up to two years and zero payments for 90 days you're not going to find Better mattresses, better service, better people, um, and better deals than at Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com. They ship nationwide. They have a local five-star delivery service and, and the 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So News and Observer's Lucille Sherman, she's a reporter. She asked what I think is probably the closest thing to a skeptical challenge that I have heard at any one of these news conferences now. If the number of cases, new cases every day is still too high, but you don't expect a new spike in phase 2.5, why didn't you open gyms earlier, um, maybe with a reduced capacity even lower than 30%? Indeed. Because our numbers had been stable or declining, depending on which metric that you looked at, for quite a period of time. And in keeping with our dimmer switch approach, we thought that it was time to go ahead and move toward this. We think it's positive movement. We think it can help to boost our economy in a safe way. And we believed that uh, we had put like six, week, six weeks on this last order, and we felt like that we, we were at a point where we could go ahead and do what we were planning to do and make it effective as of this Friday. Now notice, he refuses to explain why he didn't make a decision before. He just says that he made the decision now, right? This goes to another, the, the earlier question from Reuben Jones, who asked about the criteria, and he didn't answer Reuben Jones about that. Now, here's Lucille Sherman asking a kind of similar question. It's, a, it's based in skepticism. Why didn't you make this decision before? And what does he say? We're making it now, which is not an answer to why he didn't make it before. Okay. Might I suggest, just spitballing here, that it might have had something to do with a couple of very large gyms chains franchises that announced their opening might it have had something to do with that i don't know maybe somebody could have asked him a point blank question like that um planet fitness among others along uh, as well as uh, crunch fitness which honestly i have never heard of planet fitness planned to restart its gyms this week as did crunch fitness as reported by 
the News and Observer. So they made this announcement, or at least it was published in the News and Observer on Monday, the day before this press conference. Did that have something to do with it? Don't know. Don't know. Um, Let's see, what else? Oh, Kate Martin from Carolina Public Press. She then asks about party buses. On the streets of many college towns around the state, groups of students are congregating in party buses where they drink alcohol in close proximity without masks. Is this legal under the state's current executive orders, and if so, why? Well, first, uh, the mass gathering limitation would apply to college students, whether they are on or off campus, and we want to discourage that. Not Secondly, responsive. we want uh, people to be wearing masks and to be social distanced. Not and responsive. In order to do that, uh, it'll help us slow the spread of the virus. And we are encouraging our college campuses, those leaders, as well as local law enforcement uh, in those college towns to enforce these orders. We think it's probably more important than ever that they do enforce these orders in order to slow the spread. Would you want to add Not responsive. No. Next question, please. Follow-up, Kate Martin, Carolina Public Press. Hi, Governor. With all due respect, you didn't really answer the question as to whether the party buses are legal or not under no, he the did current not. executive order. Thank you. Yeah, he did not. So it would depend on how many people are there, whether they were wearing masks, ah. whether they were social distancing. Uh, we want them to abide by the mass gathering limits. Uh, there may be local ordinances on whether mm. you ought to have alcohol in a certain place. <laughs> it would depend on the specific circumstance. All right. So what's the answer to the question that Kate Martin asked? The answer is yes, they are legal. A party bus is allowed. So party buses are allowed. School buses are allowed. Public transportation, transit, those buses are allowed. Buses that are not allowed, however, tour buses. Because COVID knows a tour bus is not virtuous. Just taking a tour on a bus COVID shall smite you down. But partying on that bus, you're totally fine. Totally okay. It's science. So to recap, we've got the places that are businesses that are allowed to reopen. You've got yoga and dance studios, ballrooms for dancing, martial arts places, gymnastics places, trampoline parks, rock climbing uh, facilities, gyms, boxing clubs, skating rinks, bowling alleys, miniature golf, go-kart tracks, paintball, and laser tag. Businesses that have to stay closed, bingo parlors, bridge clubs, movie theaters, cigar and hookah lounges, gaming establishments like arcades, pool halls, amusement parks, tour buses, bars, and nightclubs. So, I will tell you the reaction online on social media was not good. Not good for the governor. And I suspect this is part of the reason why, just spitballing here again, that he made the move a little early to announce what he was willing to do. This is a week. I mean, they were telling us that all of the that the other order was going to last until September 11th. But now what? Oh, the science and data and facts. Oh, my. They 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 somehow they, they came in early. All the data, it, it got here early. And so we looked at it. And we're like, you know what? We feel a lot better. We're going to do it now rather than wait nine days, which honestly, if you're really going by science and data and facts, you would want to have as much distance between these two points, right? The reopening of schools, what, a week or so ago, uh, and the next phase order. 
you would want to wait that period of time. Right, that was the explanation they gave us when they made the announcement about the schools reopening and we're going to push this uh, phase, the next phase, the reopening stuff. We're going to push the rest of this off because of the uh, the spikes that we're seeing and some of the numbers and the reopening of schools. Right, we haven't seen all of that ripple through yet, so they said we should wait till September 11th. But now they're saying we're going to go early. We've seen enough. We're go- it's better than we thought. Stable numbers. A couple of them are declining. So we're going to open some things back up. Not everything, mind you, because he knows which sectors of the economy he can reopen. It's all science, you see. And he knows what capacity it should reopen at because science. So in the land of Roy, in the kingdom of Roy, we are not permitted to play nine ball in a pool hall. But we are allowed to play laser tag. It's science. You can box somebody. You want to learn how to box? You can go box. You can get right up into each other's faces. You could be huffing and puffing and trading all of the lung juice. But you cannot play bingo at a bingo hall. Sorry. And uh, cigar bars got to stay closed, even if they're outside. But you are going to be able to hang out at the trampoline park because science, right? Museums can open. But not theaters, not theaters, even at a reduced capacity with mitigation measures. So just like COVID knows the difference between a bar still closed and a brewery open, it also knows that watching a movie is way worse than looking at art. It's a really smart virus, people. Okay, really, really smart. Just like going to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Really smart. Okay, Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, they've got all real U.S. military surplus. And they've got an expanded line of first aid kits that Tim has gotten in. Medical supplies for all kinds of emergencies. they got body armor, all kinds. Some of them uh, are not American, I will say. But they are made to NATO specifications. If you want any of this, you're going to have to buy it in store or over the phone. He has face masks that are made by a family, a local disabled veteran family, and they make them out of military parachutes. So they're really lightweight. They're really soft. uh, And might I add, pretty cool. Okay. Steel gas cans, the pre-ban old school ones, the good ones, basically. And of course, all of the real U.S. military surplus that they've carried for more than three decades. It's a great shop. Go in, check them out. Old Grouch's Military Surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday. It is across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. And you can, of course, go to their website, oldgrouch.com. That's oldgrouch.com. All right, so the final question and answer that I've got here was about the Carolina Panthers. Let me get over here to WSOC had the story uh, that it's a television station in Charlotte that the Carolina Panthers had created a detailed safety plan, hoping fans could safely be in the stands for the season opener. However, state and county leaders rejected the plans in documents obtained by Channel 9 WSOC TV. The team believed that they could safely hold about 12,500 fans in Bank of America Stadium. They ran a whole bunch of crowd simulation software to assist in developing the team's plan, which, by the way, this is part of the uh, the the costs that GovCo folks never take into account. The costs associated with simply planning to reopen and trying to comply with all of the government's regulations, right? You never see this ever addressed by the government people making the rules. In like They had to go out and get this software, 
right? They had to figure out how to use it. They got to go through these hoops and trying to figure all of this stuff out. That There's a cost to all of that. In the stands, there are seating pods that could hold up uh, one to five people, and the plan emphasized that fans would not be near each other. Every other row would be empty. Fans would not be able to sit across aisles from each other. Elevators would be restricted to guests only with disabilities. Uh, Food and beverage operations included no cash. It was all mobile ordering, and it highlighted social distancing measures. Isolation areas were also proposed in the plan for people who show any symptoms, and they would use disinfecting robots to clean rooms and reusable equipment. And so they were told, no, you cannot reopen. And Governor Cooper was asked about this by Eric Spanberg from the Charlotte Business Journal. For college and professional spectator sports, what specific criteria does your administration have in mind to determine when it will be safe for spectators to attend sporting events again? So you're looking at a big sports fan right here. Don't care. I love sports. Don't care. I want people eventually to be able to get back into stadiums and auditoriums and cheering their teams on. We also know that uh, one of the ways that this virus spreads so rapidly is when people get together. So the idea is right now that even though uh, these teams can allow be allowed to play and the referees and whatever support staff that need uh, that are needed for the teams to be able to play, we are going to keep the fans to the mass gathering limit in order to be able to slow the spread of the virus. We're going to have to look at our trends and indicators as we go along to determine uh, when uh, that might be possible. I know that uh, in most of the NFL teams right now are seeing no fans for their first few games. That's prudent. And so we're, we're hoping that as we make these decisions going forward, that we can continue to do those things that we need to do with wearing face coverings and social distancing and washing hands in order to drive the virus spread down so that we can do more of that. Thank you all for being with us today, and stay safe out there, everybody. So again, no answer from the governor. He cannot explain why the Panthers were turned down in their request. What was the criteria that was used to reject the Panthers? And what is the criteria being used to determine whether crowds can be invited back to these types of uh, athletic events? He does not answer. Or as WSOC framed it, quote, Cooper declined to specifically say what will be needed to allow fans back into the stadium. He declined. He said, (laughs) we're going to have to look at trends and indicators. That's it. And he just gets away with that. Nobody asks, well, what? kinds of trends and indicators like what specifically are you looking at only three nfl teams by the way plan to start the season with fans in the stands the panthers second home game is not scheduled until october 4th dan forrest who is the lieutenant governor running against governor cooper and sued Governor Cooper over whether or not he had the statutory and constitutional authority uh, to do the things he has been doing without the consent of the Council of State. And the Democratic judges said, uh, no, we're with our Democratic uh, governor. Uh, Dan Forrest said, don't miss this line from the executive order where Cooper makes it clear that it isn't science that determines which businesses are safe, but his opinion of who should be allowed to open first. In his opinion, businesses are not smart enough to open without his blessing. And this is true, by the way, right? 
The governor's edict makes it very clear that he is, as I said, picking you know winners and losers. He's saying, I want this industry to open, and I don't want this one to open because I'm looking at the total case count. And so if I can uh, you know, dimmer switch you up and dimmer switch you down, then I can keep this number stable. But what is he basing that off of? An assumption, I guess, that certain businesses are not going to be able to open safely, that they're not going to take necessary precautions. You know how many, by the, you know how many uh, COVID cases have been linked back directly to gyms? None. Zero. And yet he's now just opening them up at 30% capacity. And gym owners, by the way, have been saying that we can do this safely. We can open this up at a reduced capacity. Now, again, did he make this decision come out a week before the order was uh, supposed to expire? Nine days before the order expires. And usually he keeps us waiting up until the very end, right? Uh, But no, this time he goes nine days early and he says, we're going to open the gyms up 30%. And this comes the day after the Planet Fitness and Crunch Fitness say, screw you, we're opening up. Any any connection there? Don't know. Maybe somebody will ask. How about this? The North Carolina Supreme Court justices heard arguments yesterday morning before the press conference. Cooper comes out at 3 p.m., but earlier that day, they heard arguments in a lawsuit from bowling alley owners who said Governor Cooper had overstepped his authority during the coronavirus pandemic and that they should be allowed to reopen with safety measures in place. Speaking of being in place, uh, are you happy being in place where you are? Or maybe you're thinking about selling your house. If so, call Rowena Patton, 333-4483 is her phone number, and she'll get your house sold quickly and for more money. It's what she and her all-star powerhouse team do. 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com is the website. She is the only agent that I've ever endorsed. She's the only agent that I would uh, use to buy or sell a house. And Christy and I are now looking to buy a house. And yes, we are using Rowena Patton. I am a man of my word. Seriously, I believe in her. I have confidence in her and her team. You should as well. They're fantastic. And she outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. So you can't go wrong. Give her a call, buying or selling, 333-4483 and mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. So the very same day that oral arguments are heard in the morning at the North Carolina Supreme Court in a case about whether or not the governor overstepped his authority by closing bowling alleys for as long as he has, lo and behold, a few hours later, he says bowling alleys can now open. Six months into the pandemic in North Carolina, reports WRAL's Travis Fain, the state's high court needs to be asking harder questions of the Cooper administration as mandatory closures continue for some industries, but not others. According, don't think Travis Fain said that. That was the attorney for the bowling alley operators, Anthony Biller. He says what is reasonable on day 16 of an emergency is not necessarily the same as what is reasonable 162 days later. 48 other states allow bowling right now, he said. What makes it safe to open breweries, which are allowed to serve customers in North Carolina, but not bowling alleys? An attorney for Roy Cooper said, hey, look, 45,000 people have died of COVID-19 in America since the briefs were filed. It, all it is is panic porn. That's, it's just fear-mongering from these people. Look how many people died. Look how many people died. With no context provided whatsoever. The governor, according to his attorney, 
has wide authority under state law during an emergency, and the emergency is clearly ongoing. This is not just an emergency. It is an existential emergency that hasn't arisen in our country in a 100 years. Now, as for the actual case, it's not clear when the Supreme Court will rule. Justices asked a number of questions, but it was difficult to infer from those questions how the seven justices might be leaning. The court has a decided partisan tilt. Based on the justices' party registrations, there are six Democrats and one Republican. Which, why would that matter, Travis Fain? Why would it matter if there are six Democrats and one Republican on the Supreme Court of the state of North Carolina? Might you be suggesting that, I don't know, their philosophy, their ideology might play some sort of a role in their ruling? Really interesting. Anyway, I have another one for you, another idea. Again, just spitballing here. Is it possible that a couple th- well, two possibilities, the governor's office heard the oral arguments and thought we didn't do very well? Because honestly, the bowling alleys, uh, they are still closed, but a lower court had ruled that they could reopen. And then they went, the, the state appealed, the Supreme Court stayed that ruling while it considered the case. Okay, so now the, the state Supreme Court is looking at this case and either maybe the arguments didn't go so well for the state to keep the bowling alleys closed so cooper rushes in and lifts the order or how about this he doesn't want to jam up north carolina supreme court judges that are on the ballot putting them in the crosshairs for bowling alley operators bar owners and such to vote against these judges that kept their businesses closed just an idea that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate that. And give it a positive review or a thumbs up or whatever you got to do there. Uh, and consider becoming a patron of the program. The links are at thepetecalendarshow.com and in the description of the podcast here. Thanks so much for the support. We'll talk to you later. And don't break anything while I'm gone. Music.